0: In alhamdulillah Na'ahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'firuhu Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina Wa min sayyiyati a'amalina Min yahdihi allah Wa min yudlil la ilaha illallahu Wahdahu la sharika واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا تقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس تقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء وتقول الله الذي تسألون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقول الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم وما يطيع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن استقال حديث كتاب الله وَخَيْرَ الْحَدِي هَجْ مُحَمَّدٍ صلى الله عليه وسلم وَشَرْوَ الْأُمُورِ مُحْدَثَاتُهَا وَكُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ بِدَعَةٍ وَكُلَّ بِدَعَةٍ ضُلَالًا We welcome the brothers and the sisters to the continuation of the explanation of the 40 hadith of Al-Imam Al-Nawawi Rahimahullah Ta'ala Rahmatan Wasi'ah in the last class, we finished up the introduction and we entered into al-hadith al-awwal, the first hadith عن عمير المؤمنين أبي حفظ عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إنما الأعمال بالنيات وإنما لكل مريء ما نوى فمن كان فمن كانت هجرته الى الله ورسوله فهجرته ورسوله ومن كانت هجرته لدنيا يصيبها او امرأة ينكحها فهجرته الى ما هاجر اليه On the Abu Hafs, Umar ibn al-Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him. He said, I heard the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, say, Indeed, the actions are based upon the intentions. And every individual will get that which he intended. Therefore, whoever's migration was to Allah and His Messenger, then His migration was to Allah and His Messenger. And whoever's migration was to attain a worldly matter or to take a woman's hand in marriage, then his migration is to that which he migrated to. And this narration is agreed upon, it is collected by al-Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah and Imam Muslim in their collections of hadith. Now we mentioned that Ummah Al Khattab, radiallahu anhu, he is, the close companion of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi is the second best Muslim after the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu You have Abu Bakr, ﷺ, and then Umar Radiallahu And this is based upon a narration where the people used to say in the presence of the Prophet ﷺ, that the best of the Muslims. After the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam is Abu Bakr And then you have Umar and then Uthman And this statement will be made or said in the presence of the Prophet And he remains silent Which means that he approved of the statement His silence was a silence of approval So we say that Umar ibn al-Khattab May Allah be pleased with him is the best of this Muslim Ummah after the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam and Abu Bakr And he has the title Amir al the commander of the believers, as he was the second rightly guided Khalifa from the Khulafa al-Rashidin al-Mahdiyeen. And his Khilafa or his Caliphate as will be translated into English, it lasted for ten and a half years. And he was killed unjustly by a Persian by the name of Abu Lu'lu al-Majusi while he was leading the people in the Fajr prayer. He came and he stabbed Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an. And we covered some of the virtues of Umar ibn al-Khattab from his virtues that Umar ibn khattab he was muhaddath. One who he would speak with statements or words, and then Allah would send revelation down, agreeing with that which Umar suggested or that which Umar said. And there are many examples for this. Also, Umar ibn Khattab, عن, the Prophet wasallam, in his dream, seen a palace in paradise. And the palace belonged to Umar ibn Khattab. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that he would have entered into the palace to see what was inside, but he remembered the jealousy of Umar. So out of respect for Umar, he did not enter into his palace that was in the paradise, which is an indication that Umar himself will be in paradise. Also there is a narration where the Prophet ﷺ, he's seen some men, and they had garments on. And some, the garments will come down to the middle of their chest. Some, the garments will come down to the waist, some to the knees. But he seen Umar ibn Khattab and his garment was flowing. And he mentioned this to the companions, that this is what he's seen in his dream. And the question was asked to him, what is the interpretation of this? And he mentioned that the garment represented religion. So Umar ibn Khattab, based upon the statement of the Prophet from that which he's seen in his dream, and the dreams of the Prophets of Revelation, Umar ibn Khattab was a man who possessed a lot of religion. He was a man of religion. And there are many other uh, virtues for Umar ibn Khattab an. And those who speak bad about Umar Ibn Al-Khattab, in reality, they are speaking bad about the Prophet Sallallahu because, as the Prophet mentioned, Al-Mar'u aladini rahadukum that the person is upon the religion of his close friend. So that each one of you look at who you take as a friend. Umar Ibn Al-Khattab was the closest of the people to the Prophet Sallallahu So if one speaks bad about Umar. Now what does this say about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi And we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout the Quran he speaks well of the Sahaba. And he describes them Anhum that Allah is pleased with them and they are pleased with him. This includes Umar bin Khattab. He's from the best of the Sahaba As for the narration, we covered that the narration is a proof for one of the greatest principles in the religion, and that is, that matters are based upon their intentions or the goals. And this hadith establishes that Allah Azza wa judges affairs based upon the intent that is behind it. And this principle, Al-Umur ala maqasidiha, this is one of the five major fiqh principles, and we covered five. Al-Umur ala maqasidiha, Al-Mashakka tajlibu taysir Al-Dara al-Yuzal, Al-Yaqeen la yazul bil-shak, Wal-Ada muhakkama. Al-Umur ala maqasidiha, matters are based upon the intent. This is proven by this hadith here. Then you have al-mashaqqa tajribu taysir, that whenever there is difficulty upon a Muslim, there is going to come a rule in Islam to remove that difficulty, to remove the hardship, to bring ease. Why? Because the religion of Allah is a religion of ease. As the Prophet said, deen that the religion is ease. So Allah He doesn't want to place hardship upon us as His servants. As Allah mentions, you read Bikumul Yusr. That Allah He wants ease for you. Wallah you read Bikumul Usr. And Allah does not want difficulty and hardships for you. Uh Adar al Yuzal, harm is to be removed. This is one of the goals and intents of the religion to remove harm. Like in the narration where the Prophet described the lowest branch of Iman Adha uh, and tariq to remove something harmful from the road, and also you have the, the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam: "La darar wa la There is to be no harm, nor reciprocating harm. Then you have al-Yakin la Yazul that certainty is not removed by doubt, and that is based upon the hadith with the man mentioned to the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. That he will be in his salah, and he will feel something in his stomach, and he would imagine that he has passed gas. And the Prophet ﷺ told him, "Don't leave the prayer until you hear something or you find a smell." Meaning that don't leave the prayer until you're sure that you have past gas. So that proves that certainty is not removed my doubt because he's certain that he has wudu, but he has doubt whether or not he has broken his wudu. So in this case. You base your act upon that which you are certain about And you leave off the doubt And the last matter Al-Ada Muhakkama That the customs of the people At times are used as judgment Uh, You have Barakallah Fiqum Allah Azza wa Jal mentions Regarding husband and wife Wa'ashiruhunna bil ma'roof And live with them In a manner that is ma'roof and the word ma'ruf is the word Urf which has the meaning of customs. So the scholars, they mention that Allah commands the men to live with the woman in a manner of kindness. And this will differ from custom to custom as long as it does not oppose the legislation of Islam. And likewise, the women are commanded to live with their husband in kindness. Now... Allah عز و جل, he commands with sincerity as he has stated in al bayyina verse number 5 wama umiru illa مُخْلِصِينَ mukhlisina دِينَ hunafa and they were not commanded they mean in the previous nations before prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam they were not commanded except to worship Allah alone sincerely making the religion for him as monotheist so this matter of sincerity is something that is not only uh or it was not only commanded or a command addressed to the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in this ummah but it was a commandment that was addressed to the previous nations And this here is an indication of the importance of sincerity, being that it is something that Allah commanded all of the prophets with, all of the messengers and their followers with. And we covered that having good intentions is very important in the religion. For having good intentions can cause the individual to reach the reward of the one who does good, even if the person himself has not carried out the good. And we covered the narration on the authority of Abi Kipsa Al Anmari, where he said that the Messenger of Allah (peace mentioned, "Inna al-dunya li-arba' li-arba'at ifar," that the life of this world is for four categories of people: 'Abdin Razaqahu Allahu Ma'an wa-'Ilman, fahuu yattaqi Rabbahu Fihi afdal The first category of people, a servant who Allah has given him wealth and Allah has given him knowledge. And he fears his Lord regarding that wealth. And he keeps the ties of kinship with that wealth. And he knows the rights of Allah regarding that wealth. This individual, he has the best status. وَعَبْدٍ رَزَقَهُ اللَّهُ عِلْمًا وَلَمْ يَرْزُقْهُ مَالًا فَهُوَ صَادِقُ النِّيَّ يَقُولُ لَوْ أَنَّ لِي مَالًا لَعَمَلْتُ فِيهِ بِأَمَلِ فُلَانٍ فَهُوَ بِنِيَّتِهِ فَأَجْرُهُمَا sawa And then you have a servant that Allah has given him knowledge, but Allah has not given him wealth. So the first individual he has both. He has knowledge and he has wealth. And he does good by the wealth. The second individual, he has knowledge, but he doesn't have any wealth. But the prophet says, he is truthful in his intentions. The prophet says, For who else saw the his, his intentions are true. And he says, If I had the money, I will spend it in the same manner that so-and-so spent it. Meaning, the first individual who has knowledge and wealth, who spends the wealth in a manner that is good. So he says, if I had the money, I would do the same thing that someone so did with the wealth, meaning I would do good with the wealth. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says, فَهُوَ بِنِيَّتِهِ He is held to account according to his intentions. فَاجُرُهُمَا سَوَى And their reward is equal. Their reward is equal. And then he mentions, وَعَبْدٍ رَزَقَهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا وَلَمْ يَرْزُقُهُ علما فَهُوَ يَخْبِطُ فِي مَالِهِ بِغَيْرِ إِلْمًا وَلَا يَتَّقِ فِيهِ رَبَّهُ وَلَا يَصِرُ فِيهِ رَحِمَهُ وَلَا يَعْلَمُ لِلَّهِ فِيهِ حَقًّا فَهَذَا بِأَخْبَثِ الْمَنَازِلِ And then you have a servant, Allah has given him wealth, but Allah has not given him knowledge. And he squanders the wealth. <coughs> He wastes the wealth, he uses the wealth in a manner that's not pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he does this without knowledge, and he doesn't fear Allah regarding the wealth. He doesn't keep the ties of kinship with the wealth. His family will be in need, he doesn't help them. His mother is in need, he doesn't keep the ties of kinship by helping his own mother. This is the type of individual that is being referred to here. And he doesn't know the right of Allah regarding the wealth, I mean, he doesn't pay zakat. He doesn't spend the money as Allah has commanded him to spend the wealth. So this individual he has the worst status with Allah. And then you have the last category, a servant. Allah has not given him wealth nor does he have knowledge. For who are you call lo so this individual who doesn't have wealth nor knowledge, he says that if I had the wealth, I would do the same thing that so-and-so did. Meaning he would squander the wealth just as the previous category that's mentioned. He will waste the wealth. He will not give Allah his right regarding the wealth and other than that. The Prophet said he is held to account according to his intentions and both of them are similar in sin. So here this narration shows Barakallah feekum How your intentions Can cause you to attain a good deed Even if you did not do the good And how also your intentions Can cause you to attain a sin Even if you did not actually carry out the sin But the intent is there to do the sin It's similar to the narration Where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Stated اذا التقى المسلمان بسيفيهما فالقاتل والمقتول في النار قالوا يا رسول الله هذا هو القاتل فما بال المقتول قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم انه كان حريصا على قتل صاحبه The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned when two Muslims meet each other with weapons to harm one another without right the killer and the one who was killed will both be in a hellfire. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum they said, O Messenger of Allah, we understand why the killer will be in the hellfire, but why will the person who got killed be in the hellfire also? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned that he had the intentions to kill the other. He was trying to carry out the act of murder, but he was stopped. He was killed first But his intent was there to kill the other So Allah holds him to the account for his intentions And what comes from this narration The scholars they mention That whenever a person Has the intention to do evil And he makes an effort to carry out the evil But he is prevented from an outside circumstance he gets the full sin. Like in the hadith, the killer and the cure are both in the hellfire. Whenever a person has the intention to do evil, and he makes an effort to do evil, but he stops himself out of the fear of Allah, this is the one who gets the reward. Like in the hadith, where the Prophet wasallam mentioned, The three men from Bani Israel who went into the cave seeking refuge from the rain. And then Allah decreed a boulder, trapped them inside of the cave. Now they're in the cave locked in with no provisions and no way of escape. So for sure, death will be upon them. So one of them said that nothing is going to save us from this situation except for a deed That we did for the sake of Allah and we mention it So one of them he said Oh Allah I had two parents And I used to care for them And I would never feed my family Except after feeding my parents So one night I was busy working And I got to my parents late But when I came to them they were sleeping he said I told my wife to put the children to sleep and I waited by their bedside for them until morning when they got then he gave them their provisions. He said, "Oh Allah, if I did this for your sake, relieve us from the situation." The boulder moved a little bit, but not enough for them to get out. The second man, he says, "Oh Allah, I hired a person to work for me, and we had a dispute. And he left without taking his wages. I took his money and I invested it. Until it became an abundance of livestock and servants. And then after some time the man came back and said, Oh so and so, give me what you owe me. And I said to him, everything in the valley is yours. And the man, he said, are you making mockery of me? He said, I'm not making mockery. Everything in the valley is yours. See, he could have lied and just gave him what he actually owed and then kept the investment or that which came, the profit from the investment. But he no, he didn't do that. He told him take everything because it came from his wealth. He said, oh Allah, if I did this, seek in your face, seek it for your sake. Relieve us. The bolder move a little bit more. But not enough for them to get out And then here comes the last man And this is the point of the narration He said, oh Allah, I had a cousin that was dear to me And I loved her like a man loves a man Or a man loves a woman, excuse me He said, I wanted to be with her, but she refused He not a man love a man, right? He said, I wanted to be with her, but she refused But then hardships came upon her She was in need of wealth So I told her I will give her the wealth in exchange that she allows me to be with her, meaning in a prohibited manner, in a manner that is indecent. So he gave her the wealth. And then he said, I lay down upon her, and then she said, It takilah. Fear Allah. And don't break the seal except with his right meaning. Don't don't have relations with me except that we are married. Fear Allah. He said, I got up and I left her with the money. He said, Oh Allah, if I did this for your sake, relieve us of the situation. And the border, it moved. Alhamdulillah, they got out. Nari said, they got out. They was hugging each other, you know, being happy, you know, Something like that, you're going to be extremely happy you escaped a a near-death situation. But the point here is that he made the effort to do the evil. He gave her the wealth, and he actually laid on top of her. But when she reminded him about Allah, he stopped. Due to the remembrance of Allah. This person is rewarded. But if a person was in that situation... And then he heard somebody coming and he got up because he, he didn't want to be seen with her and he runs off. Was that for the sake of Allah? No. no. So there's no reward in that situation. But rather, he gets a sin because his intent was to carry out the act. No. This hadith is a tremendous narration. And it is half of the legislation, as the scholars they say. Because the legislation of Islam, it deals with that which is inward and that which is outward. In this hadith, it covers that which is inward. It deals with the heart. The intentions, this is the worship of the heart. Having good and sound sincere intentions, this is the ibadah of your heart. And the heart or the purification of the heart is very important. Just as an individual, he eats healthy, he eats the right food so that he doesn't wind up having heart failure or heart disease and the likes. And this is very important that an individual takes care of his heart physically. But likewise, it is important that we take care of our hearts when it comes to the religious affairs. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he mentioned ala annafil jasid mudgha idha salahat salahal jasadu wa idha fasadat fasadal jasadu kullu The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said indeed there is a morsel of flesh in the body if this morsel of flesh is sound then the entire body will be sound And if this morsel of flesh is corrupted Then the entire body will be corrupted Indeed it is the heart So this shows the importance of the heart When it comes to your life Your speech, your actions So if the heart is pure Then your speech will be pure Your actions will be pure But when we find There being some corruption in our speech There being corruption in our actions Then this is an indication of there being corruption in the heart so it's important that we, play, we pay close attention to the cultivation of our hearts. Not just the physical aspect of maintaining the heart and having a good healthy heart, which is very important because good health is a ni'mah, is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we must take care of our health. But At the same time, don't, don't forget your religious health. Don't forget your spiritual well-being. Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions in the Quran, la malun banun illa man On the day when no wealth and no children will be of any benefit to a person except that the person comes to Allah with a pure heart. So having a pure heart, this is what's going to benefit the individual on the day of judgment. So this hadith it is half of the religion, half of the legislation from the aspect that it deals with that which is inward. And then the narrations that deal with that which is outward, and which is one of the narrations we'll be covering, this is the other half. Now. The prophet he stated, "Inmalt." indeed, actions are based upon the intention. The intent of the individual distinguishes between a number of affairs. Number one, the intentions distinguish between obligatory acts of worship and other obligatory acts of worship. As an example, a person is traveling. So he combines dhuhr and asr together in the time of asr. What separates his duha prayer from the asa prayer? Because they're both prayed two rak'ahs. What's the difference? The need, the intentions, the intentions. So the heart, the intention that which that which is within the heart distinguishes between duha and asa because outwardly they look the same. Likewise, intentions distinguish between. Obligatory acts and recommended acts Example A person he has One thousand dollars to pay in zakat. And also he has one thousand dollars to give as sadaqah Both one thousand dollars The number is the same He gives the one thousand dollars to one person Who is in need And he gives the other one thousand dollars to another person What distinguishes between which one is the zakat and which one is the sadaqah? The intentions. So, here the intentions distinguish between that which is obligatory and that which is recommended. Also, the intentions distinguish between acts of worship and everyday, habitual, customary acts. As an example, let's say every day. A person, he takes a full complete bath, shower, he washes his body, every part of his body, rinses his mouth. And he does this from the aspect of cleanliness. But then the day of Jumu'ah comes. And he takes that full bath, that full ghusl, because it's Jumu'ah, the act is the same, right? But what distinguishes between what he's doing as an act of worship from what he's doing as an everyday customary act is the intentions. Then you have the most important aspect when it comes to intentions. And this is what the hadith is focused on. And that is the intentions of who the act is being done for. When a person performs an act of worship, is the act being done for the sake of Allah? Or is the person doing the act to show off? to be praised by the people, to attain recognition from the people. The person is doing the act of worship to attain wealth or some type of worldly benefit. The intentions is what is going to establish that affair. So when the Prophet wasallam said, indeed actions are based upon intentions, every act that is done has an intent behind it. And some of the scholars have mentioned that it is impossible for a person to do something except that there is an intention behind what he does or what he says. We have a narration here to show the importance of intentions. The Prophet said, حَتَّى اللُّقْمَ تَرْفَعُهَا إِلَىٰ فِي إمرأتك. The Prophet said, Indeed, never do you spend anything on your family. Seeking by that spending or anything, period. And this includes the family. Never do you spend anything seeking by that spending, the face of Allah, except that you will be rewarded for it. See the, the shahid here, or the point here? Tabtaghi biha wajhallah. You're seeking the face of Allah. So you're spending something, but the intent behind your spending is to please Allah. So you're not just spending. Even to the point, the morsel of food that you raise up to the mouth of your wife. So when you go food shopping for your family, make sure your intentions when you're in the supermarket. Is that you are pleasing Allah by taking care of your family Don't let the intent be I'm going to get the bacon and the eggs Because I'm tired of hearing her saying she wants bacon and the eggs in the morning <laughs> So you just, what else you want? And you're just going down to listen to be, make her quiet Don't let you, that be your intentions Let your intentions be, I'm in here taking care of my family I'm buying the food to take care of my family as Allah has Place that responsibility on me So now as you're spending your wealth Your hard earned wealth You're getting a reward for everything That you put in the shopper cart And everything that you take home And put in the refrigerator And everything that they eat from it You're getting a reward for that So let's be wise So that we can maximize Right? Maximize these acts and, And get the greatest reward That we possibly can attain By the good that we do And this also goes for the woman and their interaction with their husbands. That be good to your husband, not just because, but be good to your husband to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this is something that Allah is pleased with, it's something that Allah Jalla has commanded. So now, when she cleans up the house, she's not just cleaning up because she don't want to hear her husband complaining when he comes home, that you've been in the house all day and the house is dirty. No, she's cleaning up the house with the intent that I'm doing this to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm trying to make my husband happy to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now, every act that she's doing in the household, from the maintenance of the household, taking care of the children, she's getting a reward for it. And this is very important when it comes to intentions. The Prophet Wasallam said, إِذَا أَنْفَقَ الرَّجُلُ ahlihi, that when a man spends upon his family and he seeks the reward, Rabbi, that's the key thing, he seeks the reward, meaning from Allah. He has to have the intent that he's doing it for Allah. If you're just doing it because this is what men are supposed to do, there's no reward. It's no reward. But if you are doing it, as the Prophet said, يَحْتَسِبُهَا He is seeking the reward for doing it, who Allahu Sadaqa, It is a charity for him. Nam. So actions are based upon the intentions. And every person will get that which they intended. So if a person intends good, inshallah ta'ala, he will receive good. And if a person intends evil, then for him it's evil. This narration, however, does not mean that good intentions is a justification for doing wrong. No one should understand this hadith to mean that. Because people do things that are wrong, and then they say, well, he had good intentions. The act is wrong. And in order for an act to be accepted in totality, you have to have two conditions. As Allah azawajal, He mentions at the end of Surah Al-Kahf, verse number 110, فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرُجُوا رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعْبَادَتِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا Allah mentions, Therefore, whoever hopes with the meeting with his Lord, meaning on the day of judgment, then let him work righteous actions. Meaning actions that are good and in accordance to the religion. And let him not associate anyone in the worship of his Lord. Meaning let his intentions be sincere. So you have to have both. You have to have good intentions. And the act must also be good. But what we're speaking about here is when a person is doing an act of goodness. But his intentions are corrupt. That's not accepted. Even though the act is good. And we covered there are four categories of people. When it comes to... These two conditions, uh, sincerity and doing good, meaning following the teachings of the religion. The first category of people, they are the ones who they have good intentions and the actions that they do are good. Allah, He accepts from them. Then you have those who have bad, who have bad intentions, but the act is a good act. Allah doesn't accept from them. Then you have those who have bad actions, but good intentions, Allah doesn't accept from them either. And then you have those who do not have good intentions, nor do they have good actions, and likewise Allah doesn't accept from them. An example of a person having good intentions, but their actions are bad, or not in accordance to the religion, those companions who went to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's wives, his family Asking about the worship of the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam And when they were informed about his worship They looked at it as being small in amount And they said that the Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam has been forgiven for all of his sins Past and present or past and future So he doesn't have to do much but we have not been forgiven for all of our sins, so we have to do more. So one person said, As for me, أَمَّا uftir." As for me, I'm going to fast every day of the year, and I'm not going to break my fast. The second person said, As for me, I'm going to pray the entire night, and I'm not going to sleep at night. And the third one he said, an nisa the third one said, as for me, I'm not going to marry woman. So all of these companions, their intentions were good. What was their intentions? To, to get closer to Allah. Their intent was to do more so that they can be closer to Allah and get their sins forgiven. However, good intentions is not enough in this situation. The action has to be done in accordance to what the Prophet taught us, So when the Prophet heard about them, he reprimanded them. He said, Antum kada wa kada. You are the ones who said such and such and such and such. Amma la wa 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 Faman an minni. The Prophet said, Are you the ones who said such and such and such and such? I swear by Allah, I have the most fear of Allah than all of you. And I am the most pious. As it relates to Allah. But at the same time, I fast some days and I break my fast some days. I pray a portion of the night and I sleep at night and I marry. So whoever desires other than my way, he's not from me. So this was a reprimand from the Prophet Wasallam. The Prophet didn't say, well your intentions are good so don't worry. No, the Prophet he corrected them by his statement here. Showing them that good intentions is not enough. You have to have good intentions along with the act being a good act. Meaning in accordance to what the Prophet Wasallam taught us. Now. So actions are based upon the intentions. And every person should get that which he intends. Now. So, this is in relation to good and bad. If a person intends good, then he will receive good. And if a person intends evil, then for him is that which he intended of evil. The Prophet, in further clarifying this point, He said The Prophet ﷺ said There is no person Who normally prays at night And then Sleep overcomes him Meaning he misses the prayer He misses the night prayer due to sleep Except that Allah will write for him The reward of his salah and his sleeping was a charity upon him. Why does Allah write the reward for him even though he didn't do the act? His intention was to carry out the act. And this shows the importance of always intending to do good. Because there are times where you intend to do good, but there are things that will be obstacles in your way. As long as you had the intention to do good, you will get that good. Because you're not the one who stopped yourself, it was the obstacles. In your way that prevented you from carrying out that good, so from the kindness of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He will still give you the reward. Another narration says, "Man atta firashahu, yanwi an yakuma min al aynahu hatta asbaha ma nawa, wa kana min rabbihin. The Prophet Sallallahu he said, "Whoever goes to his bed and he has the intention to get up at night to pray." During the night and his eyes overcome him Meaning he oversleeps until he wakes up in the morning So now the time is gone That which he intended will be written for him And his sleep is a charity for him from his Lord Meaning Allah allowed you to oversleep as a charity for you SubhanAllah, look how Allah is kind to us Sometimes you know we be going and going and don't realize the body needs rest So Allah allows you to oversleep so that you can get the proper rest And you still get your good deed that you intended to do mean, Islam is a mercy, Allah Allah azawajal, He is al-kareem, He is very kind and generous to us The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he mentioned فَمَنْ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ So now the Prophet wasallam is giving an example. And this is one of the best ways to teach people that examples are given to bring the point home. And this is something that we as parents, we should implement when teaching our children. Don't just give them a lesson or say, this is how things are supposed to be. But rather give them the example of the lesson you're teaching. So that the matter can stick with them. You know, give a lesson. Tell a story along with what you're trying to teach them. So that the point hits home with them and it stays with them and it remains with them. And throughout the Quran we have examples being given. And that's for people to have comprehension and understanding. And throughout the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, he gave many examples. And this is for the purpose of the teachings, being comprehended and reaching the people. So the Prophet said, whoever's migration is to Allah and his messenger, then his migration is to Allah and his messenger. Meaning that whoever migrated for the sake of Allah, following the Prophet ﷺ, Then his migration is for the sake of Allah and following the Prophet. Now, the word hijrah in the language means a tarq, abandonment. Legislatively, there are different meanings for the word al hijrah. there are different categories of hijrah. As an example, making hijrah from the lands of disbelief to the lands of the Muslims. Making hijrah from the lands of the people of innovation to the lands where the people of the sunnah are prevalent. Or making hijrah from the lands of sin to lands where the people are upon the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, you have making hijrah from acts of disobedience, and this type of hijrah everyone has the ability to do. One may not be able to travel from one land to another land for a better living, from one locality to another for a better living, but one t- one category of hijrah that we all have the ability to do is what the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said. And the migrant, the one who makes hijra, is the one who makes hijrah from that which Allah has prohibited. That hijrah we all have the ability to do. And that's something that is binding upon each and every one of us. That we make hijrah from the haram. Everyone is not going to be able to go to a different land and live his life. And take up his take his family and find a better living somewhere else. Everyone is not going to have that ability. But everyone does have the ability to leave off the haram. And where does that come from? The statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said he said when I command you to do something, do it as much as you are able to do. And when I prohibit you from something, stay away from it. Look at the difference here. When it comes to commandments, the Prophet connected to it, capability. Either إِذَا أَمَارْتُكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ minhu مِنْهُ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ When I command you to do something, do it as much as you are able to. Capabilities connected to carrying out commandments, carrying out obligations. Like the hadith, سَلِّ Pray standing. If you don't have the ability to pray standing, then what? Pray sitting. And if you don't have the ability to pray sitting, then pray on your side. See, standing is an obligation, is a command. But if you can't stand, you sit. In this case, sitting will be an obligation. But if you can't sit, you lay down. So, carrying out commandments are based upon capability. Like, as an example, the command to pay zakat. But if you are poor and don't have wealth, you're not obligated to pay. But now, look what the prophet said when it comes to the prohibitions. And when I command you to stay away from something, or when I prohibit you from something, stay away from it. If you notice here, the prophet did not say... Stay away from it as much as you are able to. He didn't say that. He didn't connect capability to staying away from the prohibitions. Why? Because everyone has the ability to say no. Everyone has that ability. Everyone has the ability not to drink khamar. Everyone has the ability not to commit zina. Everyone has the ability not to indulge in riba. Everyone has the ability not to harm people with your statements or with your actions. We all have that ability. The problem is the weakness that we have within ourselves that opens up that door for us to fall into the things that Allah and His Messenger prohibited. And may Allah Azza wa strengthen us and make us better Muslims. Ameen. Now, so whoever's migration Is to Allah and his messenger Then his migration is to Allah and his messenger So the person here in this situation He has correct intentions That he's migrating for the sake of Allah Following the Prophet Then the Prophet mentions after that and whoever's migration was atta- to attain a worldly affair Or to take a woman's hand in marriage Then his migration is to that which he migrated to Now here is when the intentions are corrupted The act outwardly is correct A person migrating from Mecca to Medina This, is, this Outwardly this act is good But when the person, his intent was not the sake of Allah and following the Prophet ﷺ, but his intention was to attain a worldly matter, to attain some type of financial gain, or to marry a woman. That's the reason why he he migrates. The Prophet said his migration is to that which he migrated to. The Prophet did not repeat the worldly matter and to take a woman's hand in marriage. To show that this is something that is despicable, that a person does an act of worship for the world. Worship is for Allah, not to attain money or dunya or to get married. Your worship, my worship, everyone's worship has to be for the sake of Allah. Allah created us to worship Him. As Allah mentions, I have not created the jinn nor the mankind except to worship Me. So all worship is for Allah. Never should the case be that a person is doing worship for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned that Allah said, and this is al-hadith al-Qudsi, ana aghana shuraka'i ana shirk fihi ghayri wa shirkahu. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said that Allah said, I'm the most independent from having partners associated with me. Meaning Allah has no partners. So whoever does an action, and within that action he makes a partner for me, I abandon him and his act. And Allah rejects it. Because that act of worship wasn't for him alone. So it's important that whenever we do of ibadah, of worship, the worship has to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. There is a story... where it is stated that a man wanted to marry a woman by the name of Umm Qais and she said to him that if you want to marry me you have to migrate so he migrated And he became known as Muhajir Um Qais, the one who migrated to marry Um Qais. Some have mentioned that this is the reason behind the hadith, but there is nothing actually establishing that with certainty. But the hadith is applicable to that situation because the migration wasn't for the sake of Allah following the Prophet, but it was to take the woman's hand. And marriage. This hadith also shows that one of the obstacles and distractions between a person and Allah is the dunya. That the dunya at times can be your enemy. There are some lines of poetry: uh, You have the life of this world. My soul, the shaytan and the evil desires. How can I find escape and refuge when all of these things are my enemies? So at the time, ta- at times, the dunya can be an enemy to a person and a distraction, as Allah mentions, wa الدُّنْيَا dunya illa الْغُرُورِ And the life of this world is nothing but a deceptive pleasure and play. But here's the here's a question here. Are women from the dunya or not? Yes or no? Are the women a part of the dunya or not? (laughs) Why is it that the Prophet mentions the women separately? Because the Prophet says, whoever's migration was to attain a worldly matter. That includes women, money, property, anything from the dunya. Why? Or to take a woman's hand in marriage Why mentioning the woman separately? No, no, the woman is from the dunya Men love money Men love homes Men love horses Men love cars Well, if you ain't got the money so get Maybe. <laughs> a lot of the women say no money, no honey today, right? <laughs> a lot of the right, So what do you have to say? Why, why are they mentioning of them separately? I would say because the women is a great figure for the men. Ah, <laughs> ah, what do you say? No, the problem is that the main discussion of the men is What your brothers are saying, Barakallahu is correct. From the aspect that... One of the greatest fittings or fitness upon the men is the woman. So the Prophet mentioned the woman separately to indicate the fitness that a woman can be. And this is not all women. All women are not fitness. Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, mata wa khairu mataa al salihah. that the life of this world is a commodity, but the best thing in this world is the righteous woman. So not all women are fitness. <laughs> but many are, as the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said ma taratu fitnatan ashad ala rijal min an nisa the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said i have not left behind me a fitnah, a trial a tribulation more severe upon the men than the woman." so as the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned "It ad dunya wa taq nisa Fear the dunya and fear the woman. See again another narration where the Prophet mentions them separately, because of the great fitna that a woman can cause upon a man. You know, and there's one narration where the Prophet was suddenly mentioned that he has not seen anyone that can cause a strong-minded man to lose his way, more so than one of the women. So, brothers, be careful, preserve your deen. And do not allow yourself to be put to trial and tribulation in your religion over a woman. Over nothing, but especially the woman. Especially the woman. Because an individual chasing after a woman can be the cause of him leaving the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inshallah ta'ala will stop at this point whatever is correct the praise is for Allah azza wa alone and whatever is incorrect it is for myself wa subhanaka la hum wa bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa antastaghfiru kamaa